Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. Welcome today. So good to have each one of you here. Happy Independence Day, July the 4th. We celebrate America. Aren't you thankful for America? I still believe we live in the greatest country on the face of the earth. We got our problems, but I'm so thankful to live in this land in America. I want you to take your Bibles out and turn to Isaiah 58. While you're turning, let me welcome all our guests today who are streaming by way of video today. I know we have a lot of people out of town this morning, and maybe some are tuning in on the internet. We're happy to welcome you as well, and those who are watching by television today, thank you so much for joining in this morning. Let's uh, take your Bibles out, turn to Isaiah 59, and we'll begin with verse 16 in just a few moments. We're beginning a new series, Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness. I believe that can only really be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all in him. We find our life, we find our freedom, and we find our joy and our happiness today. This nation was found on God. It was found on the Lord Jesus Christ. It was found on Judeo-Christian principles, and yet our nation has gotten so far away from that. And I want to talk today and in these next several weeks about reclaiming our land for God, coming back to the Lord Jesus Christ that our nation was built on and founded upon. So let's stand together this morning for the reading of God's word. Isaiah 59 and verse number 16. Isaiah 59 and 16. If you're a guest, we're so glad you're here today. Great to have you with us this morning. My son's here and daughter-in-law. Where are you at, Chad? Somewhere. And their kids are joining with us for the fourth uh, somewhere. And uh, great to have them here today somewhere in the house this morning. I want to read from the New King James Version this morning, and so it will be our text, Isaiah 59 and verse 16. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him, and his own righteousness, it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly, he will repay fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies. The coastlands will be fully repaid. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Talking about raising up or lifting up the standard today. Let us pray. Father, we are so grateful for your many blessings in our life. We're so thankful that we can live in America today and enjoy the freedoms that we enjoy. And yet I pray, God, that your church will awaken this morning, that you will awaken us, something in our hearts, something in our spirits, to see a return back to God Lord, we need you so desperately in our land. Help us, I pray. Anoint me, God, this morning as I bring forth your word today, and I pray you open up the hearts and minds of every person in the house to hear what you're saying to the church this morning. And we give you praise and honor and glory in your holy name. Amen and amen. Turn to someone, tell them they look great today, and then you may be seated. Isaiah writes 
in some of the darkest days of Israel's history. It's a time when Israel as a nation had turned far away from God. They had returned to sin, had returned into their idolatry. They were taken into captivity. But Isaiah prophesies. He sees a day when God is going to raise up an intercessor. He's looking for someone who would stand in the gap and that God would raise up that person, that man, for a nation. And he's pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ who would be the helmet of our salvation, who would be robed in righteousness. And he looks forward to that day when Messiah would come. And then he makes this incredible statement. He says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard against the enemy. And we know who that standard is. That standard is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. He talks about raising him up and he would be raised up for Israel and for all the world as well. We'll be looking at that standard this morning. Some of the most spectacular events that have taken place take place on battlefields. Battlefields are amazing. You will have armies that are lined up on either side of the battle. They are all dressed in their military attire. They're ready for the sound of the bugle or the sound of the battle to begin. And they all launch and they enter into war. And it starts with a lot of pomp and ceremony. And you can have huge forces spread out across these battlefields. Hundreds of thousands of troops can be lined up for war and for battle. Stretch across the plains as far as you can see. And each army is marked by their standard or by their flag. And they will follow that flag. They will follow that flag into battle. They will, it would, it's called their standard. It's what they, the troops gathered around and rallied around. Don't you like our standard for America today? Isn't the flag beautiful? But once the battle begins, chaos begins to break out on the battlefield. The guns are firing, the the smoke is in the air, you can't hardly see where you are going, and all that ceremony turns into chaos and confusion. Troops are scattered, and sometimes they are separated from their battalions, their attachments, and they, they don't know if they're being left behind, they don't know how close the enemy is coming in upon them, they don't often know which way to turn because they can't see where they're going and all the mayhem and all the bloodshed, Battle, bodies are falling on either side of them, they don't know if they're about to be overrun or captured by the enemy. It can be a very perilous time. Being lost and alone and confused on the battlefield can be terrifying. Now let me tell you, the flag is not for decoration. The flag represented the pride of that nation, but more than that, it served a strategic purpose. Because if you ever got lost on the battlefield, if you did not know where you were at, if you were separated in any way from your troops, you could always lift up your eyes and look for the flag. And if I could find the flag, if I could see where my troops were going, if I could see where they were heading, I could get back and I could rejoin my troops or engage again in the battle. If I could just get my eyes on the flag, I could know which way to go. In fact, it was so important that if a soldier dropped, was shot and killed and dropped the flag in battle, those who were co- someone who was close by was always instructed to pick up the flag and hold it high. There was a saying, never let the colors touch the ground in the military. So important it was, they would even lay their guns aside to pick up the flag so that all the troops could march behind it and follow in and continue in the battle. But without the flag, the troops were scattered and confused. The flag was the standard. The flag was the 
rallying point. Isaiah writes in 59 and verse 19, when the enemy comes in like a flood. I want to tell you this morning, the enemy has come in like a flood in America. We are facing a flood tide of immorality and wickedness and perversion in our land like never before. And today, even Christians seem a little bit confused and disoriented and afraid of what might be going on around them. And and what we have today in America often is believers who are huddled down in their foxholes, hiding out for fear of what the enemy might be doing out there. And we peer over the tops of our foxholes and we see a lot of standards waving out there in America today, but it's not always the Christian standard. And so out there they see the the flag of the radical Islamic faction who are waving their flags or or the militant homosexuals waving their flags and their banners or the pro-abortionists out there waving their flags in America or radical feminists waving their flags, or the pornographers waving their flag today, or atheists raising their flags today. In fact, every Christian, anti-Christian group is out there waving their flag against everything we believe in and hold dear. There has been attack on Christianity in America and our Judeo-Christian values like never before. And they're all assembled with their flags waving in the air, ready for battle. And so often, the church, if we are not careful, will hunker down in our foxholes. Because we're afraid to face the enemy. We're afraid of what we're going to face in our schools, and our workplace, and what's going on around us. And so, too often, we keep silent. Their guns are loaded. They're waiting for someone to take a stand for righteousness. They got it aimed on the church today. Every other group can speak out. But if the church speaks out, we talk about Jesus or Christianity or what it means to follow God, we're named all kinds of different things. The common denominator for all those groups is their hatred for Christianity and for any expression of traditional values. The natural inclination then is to stay in our foxholes, keep our heads down, to remain intimidated and afraid and lay low. The restraining walls that once held back that flood tide of evil have been breached and now we are drowning in a rising tide of filth and corruption in our land. A few years ago, one would not have believed the moral and ethical social issues we're facing today. It is incredible what we're seeing on the news every day. Unbelievable. We would have never thought we'd have seen a day and age in which we live that is happening right now in America today. It's crazy. Not only are the moral standards disappearing, but our freedoms to live and believe and speak as Christians are being lost one by one by one. When a student raises up and is bold enough to speak out in his high school and take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ by praying, he's told you can't do that in school. When he witnesses and shares his faith, he's told you can't do that. When he wants to hold a Bible club or have a Bible study on a school campus, they're told you can't do that. This is government property. You can't speak out here. The time to raise the standard of Christianity in our nation, it's time to do that again. And I have good news for you this morning. 
The spirit who empowers us is greater than any spirit in the world. So no matter how big and how massive and how strong the flood tide seems to be in America, that spirit within us is greater than he that is in the world, than anything we might face at any time. And what happens is when there are a few Christians who will take a bold stand in their classroom or or on the job or or in their private conversations, uh, there are others who are sitting in the foxholes just waiting for a few to rise up and lead the way and lift up the standard. Every time a Christian takes a bold stand, we rediscover our strength in the Lord Jesus Christ because he's in us and he's with us. We've got to be able to come out of the foxhole. And make a difference. It says in Isaiah 59, and when the enemy comes in like a flood, he will raise up a standard against him. That's an interesting word. The first time you see the standard used in the word of God, it goes all the way back to Numbers chapter 21. I want you to turn there, if you would, for just a moment. Numbers 21. You see, America is a lot like the children of Israel. They had been delivered from bondage. They had freedom. They were now traveling through the wilderness. They're heading for the place known as the promised land. And they're on their way there, but they grumble and they complain. They, they, they take their freedom for granted, the freedom that God had given them. They were more concerned about leeks and onions and all kinds of wonderful food in Egypt. They didn't mind being in slavery just so long they didn't have to be out in the wilderness. And they forgot all that God had done for them. And they begin to murmur and grumble and complain. There's constant rebellion and disobedience. And so it forces God to bring judgment on the nation of Israel, to bring Israel back to God. And so he allows fiery snakes and serpents to come into the camp. And snakes overrun this wilderness area that the children of Israel now find themselves in. And they begin biting the people in their tents and throughout and all around in the wilderness. They're biting the people and the people are dying and they're sick and they're about to die. And God gives them some very specific instructions. He tells Moses in verse number 8 and 9. And the Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake, put it up on the pole. And when anyone was bitten by the snake and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. And then after that happens, he tells Moses, build an altar. And they named the altar Jehovah Nissi, which means the Lord my banner, the Lord my standard bearer the lord my victory he is the one we fight under it means the lord my banner jehovah nissi the lord my banner now i want to tell you in america we have been snake bitten by sin and we carry that venom in our veins and we're desperate for answers and we need someone to raise up the standard for us to look upon and find healing and find life I want to tell you our banner and standard today is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to turn to John chapter 3. Look at the connection right here. John goes back to this story all the way back in the wilderness. And he writes in John 3 and verse 14. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That everyone who believes on him may have eternal life. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The standard today is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one we look our eyes on, cast our eyes on. He is the one we focus on. And in him is found healing. In him is found life. In him is found freedom. Uh, But someone's got to be able to lift up that standard today in America. The last thing the enemies of righteousness want to happen is for someone spirit-empowered, child of God, to come out of hiding, to come out of their foxholes, and raise the standard of the Lord Jesus Christ and bring light into this dark world. Satan's goal is to have the world follow him into greater and greater darkness. He wants to take America deeper, deeper in darkness and away from the Lord. But if Christ is lifted up, Satan knows that all who follow him in their lives, they will lo- he will lose his power and hold and influence over them. So he doesn't want us raising the standard anymore in America. He wants us to be quiet. He wants us hiding out. I want you to turn to John chapter 12. Look at verse 30. And Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on the world. Now the prince of the world will be driven out. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto myself. Satan doesn't mind as long as you hide out. As long as you remain in fear. As long as you keep your mouth shut. Doesn't care at all. He can keep doing his own thing all around us. But the Bible says if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Who's going to raise the standard? Who's going to lift up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Who's going to share the good news with others around? We've got to raise up the standard. There was a movie that was, came out some time ago now. It was entitled Glory. It was based on the letters of Colonel Robert Gould Shaw, commander of the 1st African-American Regiment in the United States. It was during the time of the Civil War. The final scenes of this movie replay and show Shaw's historic charge on Fort Wagner. Fort Wagner was the Confederate stronghold not too far from Charleston, South Carolina. And so this 54th Regiment of Massachusetts, an entirely African-American regiment, was going to lead the charge on the fort. They were going to try to take over. The Union soldiers were going to take over this Confederate fortress. Before the dawn assault, he pointed to the standard bearer, the person who was going to carry the flag, the Union flag. And he makes this statement. He says, if this man should fall, who will lift up the flag and carry it on? Thomas Earl, singled out by the drill sergeant as the weakest and worst soldier, said, I will. I'll do it. I'll pick up the flag. That night, the remnants of the Massachusetts 54th advanced on the perimeter of the garrison. They were pinned down under heavy fire. Colonel Shaw, who was leading the charge, himself was shot and killed in battle. He fell to the ground. The question was, who would pick up the flag? Who would carry the standard? Who would the troops begin to follow? 
It wasn't the strongest or most decorated of those who were around him at that time. It wasn't the newly bold Thomas Earl who said, I'll pick up the flag, I'll hold the standard high. It was a man by the name of Private Tripp. Private Tripp was a soldier who had earlier deserted, who had earlier left the 54th Regiment. He is the one who comes along, picks up the standard, and leads the troops on into battle. Maybe you've been struggling from a sense of failure. You said, Pastor, I'm one of those guys that have been hiding out in that foxhole. Or a sense of unworthiness. I can't do it. I'm, I'm not good enough. I've, I've failed too many times. But the bottom line is God is able to take the weak things of this world and confound the strong, confound the wise, the foolish things that confound the wise. Even someone who may have deserted before like the soldier who came along and picked up the flag. Paul and Barnabas are on a missionary journey, have a young soldier with them by the name of John Mark. John Mark's going to get halfway through the missionary journey and say, it's too hard, I, I can't take it out here, and he goes back to mama, goes back home. He was a deserter, can't, can't hang in the fight any longer, it's too rough out here, but he would later become a valued associate for Barnabas, later for the Apostle Paul, even for Peter. He writes one of the four Gospels that we have today, the Gospel of Mark. He becomes a founder and pastor of the church in Alexandria, even though he was formerly a failure. You know the story of Peter. Peter's in a courtyard. They're crucifying the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, he's about to go to his own execution. And Peter says, I don't know the man. I don't know who you're talking about. And three times he denies the Lord. And three times he denies Jesus Christ that he even knows the man, even the last time with cursing. He became a deserter. And yet God turned him to one of the great apostles of the early church. Preaches on the day of Pentecost. And 3,000 are saved as he once again lifts up the standard. No matter how incapable or weak you may feel, God has supernatural strength for you beyond what you could ever dream or imagine if you'll put your trust and faith in him. It doesn't matter how many times you may have blown it, how many times you may have failed, God still wants to use you. Everybody in the house, God wants to use. He's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you today. The interesting conclusion of this movie is simply this. Fort Wagner was never taken by the Union Regiment. They failed in their attempts to take over that fort. But that battle was not the point. Word spread quickly about the bravery of the Massachusetts 54th Division. Congress finally, because of that battle, approved recruitment of African-American troops throughout the Union. After that battle, 180,000 African-Americans volunteered to join in the Civil War on the Union side. President Lincoln would later credit their regiments for turning the tide of the Civil War. Our society, for the most part, is rushing headlong into hell. Who will be the one in your workplace 
Who will be the one in your school? Who will be the one in your classroom, among your circle of friends, who will take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ, even in the midst of opposition, even in the midst of possible ridicule, even when someone makes fun of you, even when everyone else says that's politically incorrect, you can't say that or do that here. Who's going to raise the standard? I believe God wants you to do it. I believe that's why God has you placed where you're at. For such a time as this, the standard bearers you. You're called to come out of your foxhole and start waving the banner very high, declaring Jesus Christ is the answer because that's what the world's looking for. They won't find life anywhere else. They won't find happiness or joy anywhere else. They won't find freedom anywhere else but in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we don't tell them, who will? We've got to be the ones to lift up the standard today in America. Because we are blood-bought members of the most powerful army that ever walked on the face of the earth. We are filled with the same spirit that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead. That spirit is living inside of us. We are called by God to be champions. So my question for us this morning, the takeaway is simply this. How do we get out of our foxholes? How do we begin to make a difference in our world around us? I want to give you three things this morning, very practical, and I want you to get this. If you get nothing else, jot this down on your bulletins this morning. First of all, number one, you've got to get your uniform on. Get your uniform on. Soldiers are identified by their uniforms, by the uniforms they wear. Spies and undercover agents disguise themselves. They try to blend in. They try to look like everybody else. They want to slip by, slip in without being noticed. But the Lord is not looking for undercover Christians. But those who wear the uniform proudly and say, I am a child of the Most High God, and I am not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whose side are you fighting on? If we claim to be children of God, how can we dress and act and look and be just like the rest of the world? I'm not talking about physical dress. I'm talking about that that, that dress of unholiness. Do we identify openly with Jesus Christ? Are you a part of his team? Have you asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and life and said, Lord, I need you. Come into my life. I'm going to be a Christ follower from this day on. Get your uniform on. Whose side are you fighting on? Do you act as a secret believer, one who only unveils his identity when he's in a non-threatening circumstance, when it's Sunday morning and he can fit in with this crowd, but in a hostile environment he tries to blend in? To come out of the foxhole, you must first be identified with Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life. No more secrecy, no more undercover discipleship. Christ identified with your sins when he took them upon himself when he hung on the cross. He died on the cross for us, and by faith we identify with him in his righteousness. And so I put on his uniform, which is the righteousness of Christ in God. And I wear the helmet of salvation. First of all, you've got to put your uniform on. Are you a Christ follower today? The second thing is rally to the cause. Rally to the cause. Moses in Exodus 32 and 26 says, Whoever is for the Lord, 
come to me. Not only do we identify with the Lord, but now that I am a Christ follower, I also identify with his people. How can you have an army with just one soldier out there? We're a part of the army of God. I put on the uniform and then identify with every other member of the family of God and of the body of Christ. That's why the church is so important. That's why we come together on Sunday morning and we celebrate Jesus Christ and we get our marching orders for the rest of the week. We identify with his church. Join with those who are also raising the standard of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've got great news for you. You are a part of a great army that spans all around the world today. Over one billion evangelical believers stretched out around this world. And number three, give yourself to God for service. Give yourself to God for service and say, Lord, here I am. I'm yours. What do you want me to do? Where can I serve? Who can I minister to this week? Where can I be involved in my local church? Where can I minister and help mentor someone else? Who else do you want me to disciple and to lead right now? Now some of you are thinking, you know, Pastor, I I really can't do this because I've got some problems in my life and I've got some things maybe holding me back and if there's things you need to repent of today, you can take care of that this morning. You can say, God, forgive me. God, help me. God, cleanse me. And he'll come in and take those sins away. But I want to read a verse to you. It's Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Does use the word standard here, but it's very clear who he's talking about. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. In other words, get rid of the weight. Get rid of the sins. Get rid of those things that are hampering and hurting your testimony. If there's something that keeps you from waving the standard proudly and highly before others, he says, lay aside that weight and sin that slows you down, that holds you back from serving God. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And then he says in verse 2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Get your eyes on the standard. The author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin and of compromise and you come to Jesus Christ who gave his life for you and said, Lord, I'm sorry I've blown it. I'm sorry I've denied you. I'm sorry I've betrayed you in some way. I'm, I'm sorry I've been a deserter. God, help me, forgive me, cleanse me. And the good news is he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. And we give ourselves to God and say, God, I'm yours. Use me wherever you want to use me. Help me to make a difference. And with the power of the risen Christ and the encouragement of others, you can become one of God's standard bearers and help retake the world for the kingdom of God. I I received a, a word this morning from a sister in the church who just had felt like she had a word for the congregation this morning. And I wanted to share it at this point in the message. Listen to this. It says, your power lies not in who you are, but in who I am. It has always been so and will always be so. 
I have given you authority over all power of the enemy. Use it. Rise up. It is not a time to be silent. Raise your voice in victory. Hallelujah. Now, one of the ways we identify with the Lord Jesus Christ is in communion. And we're going to take communion together as a body this morning. It's our identification with what Jesus Christ did for us. He got his disciples together and said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. And every time you drink this, you eat this, remember me. Think about what I did for you. Think about the price I paid for your salvation to set you free, to give you life, liberty, and happiness. Think about what I did for you. The celebration of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ is our banner. That in John 3, just like they lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, how symbolic of Jesus Christ when he hung on the cross. And the Bible says that when he hung on the cross, he became sin who knew no sin. While he hung there, he held that every sin of mankind was placed upon his back. He literally became that serpent when he hung on the cross. He became sin who knew no sin. But the Bible, he told the children of Israel, he said, if you'll just look up and you'll look on that serpent, you'll be healed. You'll find life again. You'll find freedom again. I want to tell you, if you'll lift up your eyes today and get them on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll find healing and you'll find life and you'll find freedom today. And as we take the elements in our hand, it is symbolic of that life and freedom that Jesus Christ paid for. Our healing, our victory is in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to identify with Jesus Christ today, we're going to let you take those elements this morning and say, identify with what you did for me. Identify with the sacrifice you paid that I might have life. I believe you died and rose again for me. If you haven't asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and life, you can do that right now. Just say, God, I've blown it. My life's a mess. I need you to save me. I need you to take my sins away. I believe you died and rose again for me. You pray a simple prayer like that. In a moment, he'll save you. Father, we love you so very much. Thanks for listening to this weekly podcast. Check out faithishere.org for podcasts and videos of our previous messages.